Hey, haven't updated in a while. <laughs> haven't really updated since I put the podcast in public, which is just kind of iconic for the kind of person who gets overwhelmed by things. Anyway, on the note of overwhelm, I've been stressed about this book of philosophy I've been trying to write, and it just keeps branching into everything and everything else and folding back in on itself, and by now it's just this impossible monolith, and like, how the hell could I ever turn this into something legible? And that's been stressing me out for a while, so I do nothing. I just add more thoughts to my notes. And it sort of hit a peak this morning, and this afternoon I found a way to like release, actually release muscles in my neck and then let myself feel that and let that turn into finding something to do with my hands out in the yard, which gave me just a chance to like think without thinking and sort of just bit by bit get back into flow from this like constricted non-flow space I was in. And what came out of it was... Um, Ultimately, sort of accidentally discovering the Tao, like the Tao Te Ching. I've never read it. I had someone invite me to read it a little less than a year ago, even left me a copy. He was a, a PhD student focusing on the Tao Te Ching, <laughs> and I ignored it like an asshole. But I've come into it sideways, ass backward, on my own, and I kind of just want to share some of what came out. <clears throat> So this isn't going anywhere in particular. And as I hope to get to by the time the 15-minute mark hits, that's the point. Oh, also, I, I bought an expensive new microphone lapel mic to do these. So hopefully the audio quality is better than it was. And also, I promise not to be walking around in traffic anymore while recording. Because I, <laughs> I get that that's pretty rude. So a couple weeks ago, three weeks now, I found my way into Kant's Critique of Pure Reason. And whenever I bring up, hey, I'm reading Kant, someone in the room decides to remind me that Kant is a cunt, and they probably chuckle to themselves. So I haven't really wanted to like share this, but it's been really influential in my thinking because his, his what he calls the transcendental metaphysic, his, his analysis of metaphysics itself, is fucking brilliant. And the stuff that I want to bring here is his distinctions about analysis and synthesis. Analysis, I said this in a prior podcast, so I'll be short with it, um, is looking at something and describing it based on something you already know about it or something of yourself. So, uh, I never have examples ready when I'm talking. I should probably do like improve that in the future too. Analytic judgment of something, analytic thinking about something, if you're a thinker, even if you intuit it, is understanding a thing based on something you already know. So really you're just dissecting it. You're breaking it down into lesser parts. You're saying, oh, this thing, the chair I'm staring at is a, is a blue Adirondack chair. And so like it has components of blueness and Adirondackness. And when I talk about the chair, I'm addressing the thing which I already know to be blue and Adirondack. And synthesis is when you take two disparate ideas 
and put them together in a way that you never knew before it happened. Synthesis is the experience of something brand new happening for you, and it has nothing to do with you. It's like, I don't know, something absurd. It almost definitionally includes absurdity. Like if I found a bush that was growing meatballs, <laughs> that would be a synthetic experience, a meatball bush to actually experience one and let it in and let it be real. And that's, it's a really important distinction. Jung, who was heavily influenced by Kant, expanded this distinction into his understanding of psychological types and into his understanding of what the ego is. I wouldn't be surprised to learn that Freud also did it. Jung was Freud's best student for a while until they had a split. The ego, the ego is the water we swim in. To try and conceive of your own ego is nearly fucking impossible because it is all that you know consciously. The only experiences we have that aren't egoic are the synthetic experiences. The ones where we perceive of something in our real experience that has nothing to do with anything we've ever experienced before. And that moments of shock and delight and joy that come from those, those are the non-self experiences that we look for if we're doing meditative acts or, or you know, uh, trying to get into flow state or any of those things. And those are the synthetic experiences. That's us not relying on our ego to know our existence. So in the context of being conscious, and I don't mean that in the spiritual woo-woo way, I mean like literally everything you experience is part of your consciousness. You cannot experience the unconscious. So in the context of having an experience, analysis is egoic. And that includes all the analyses that we can perform of things. Like one of my favorites is mathematical analysis. Trying to use math to better understand things with more and more precise relationships. All I'm doing is breaking things down along lines that I understand through the filter of my own ego. Any analysis is the same way. So the only way to know anything new is to get outside of analytic methods. That means semantics, semiotics, mathematics, including statistical analysis, linguistic analysis. All of these analysis methods are really just reinforcing the way that we already experience reality. Anything purely analytic is either a description of your conscious reality or of the unconscious that's coming through to you in a way that you can't perceive. And that last part is me, you know, dipping into Jungian stuff, but also Freudian and, and any depth psychologist, and through them into mystical stuff. Synthesis is drawing information directly from reality. And we're not doing that when we're analyzing which means we're not really learning anything new 
And so we're not changing. Because the ego is the, the implicit filter on everything I know about myself and the world and my own body and my experience, when I'm not having synthetic experiences, I'm not changing, I'm not growing, I'm not allowing anything new. And the truth that egoic thinking or intuiting or feeling or, or sensing doesn't want to admit is that reality can't be fully known. Let me fall back to mathematics. You look at real analysis, which is a way of mathematically understanding systems of things by building up polynomials and then modeling energy transfers between the things by dividing the polynomials. And when you do that, you can use all of your polynomial expansion and transfer function analysis and all the stuff that I learned in engineering school to understand where the poles and the zeros are and how energy flows and you can do filter tuning and you can do control system design and basically you can build up like the the stuff of our world well up to the 50s after the 1950s we got into quantum dynamics but real analysis is a simplification of reality you're defining things in terms of polynomials but those polynomials are just a power series and that's only one way of modeling reality. The instant you allow mappings from two codomains into one domain, like a function that takes x and y and multiplies them by each other, so f of x, y equals x times y, you've opened up Pandora's box. Now you're doing differential equations and its real analysis falls apart. And differential equations are crazy hard to solve. They're super complex, and you have to make assumptions about them, like linear differential equations have a method of solution, usually using matrix operators. Complex analysis makes certain assumptions about the structure of them. We keep having to make more and more simplifying assumptions the closer we get to the true complexity of reality. This shows up in all analyses. What that shows me is that the act of analysis, the act of seeing reality through the filter of our ego is fundamentally limited and we will never truly know the universe as a whole. It just can't. We have to have synthetic experiences to provide what the ego can't experience. And the synthetic experiences that give us something new build us up bigger in our ego and the, it builds up our capacity for what's possible. So ideally there's this feedback of, or, or really feed in, of information through synthesis and novelty, and that expands sort of the boundaries of the egoic container so that we imagine more to be possible. And that allows us to have new synthesis and that expands the boundaries and new synthesis. And there's this like reinforcing thing that goes on. And I think that's what is described by, as, by depth psychologists as a healthy ego development. An ego can grow in a healthy way. But synthesis is the actual thing we're doing here. Synthesis is the actual taking in of information that's new. In that, we perceive information from reality and from the unconscious and then we obliterate any distinctions that separate 
things from other things. I'm saying like we come to accept what we perceive as all one and the same experience. That's what synthesis is. It's destroying duality. It's destroying ego, even as it feeds new information that ego can use. It's the non-self. And so you might think, as I have, that the purpose of synthesis is to bring in information so that I can build a monolithic, megalithic ego. <laughs> as I say that about myself, I'm just like, God, David, what the fuck? And then I can use that big, brilliant, beautiful ego to convey the truth of all things. But I can't get to the truth of all things. And other people don't work the same way as I do. My ego is centered around thinking and understanding. When I understand something as thoughts, then I feel certain and I feel assured of myself and I feel ready to face the world with all of my big models of things. But that's not how everybody works. There are people who intuit their way through the world, who would rather get right into the world and experience it and let it all come into them and they just know what to do when they're in it. And thinking is sort of like not how they know who they are. There are people who'd rather sense the world who in a, in a way would rather get their hands dirty and work with it and in working with, you know, the earth or with building or with crunching numbers or whatever through the sensation of their body doing, they come to know the world and how it works and who they are. And there are people who'd rather feel their way through the world, who'd rather let their, under, like their, in, their, their understanding of what matters most, their understanding of emotions, understanding of what other people are feeling, help them navigate their way through things. These four archetypes are provided in Jung's type system um, in his work, Psychological Types. And they come from his study of the Tao and of Tantra and the chakras and of Western astrology, his heavy study of Western astrology. These four archetypes of knowing show up in all of those systems. I've done a lot of my own meditations on them and discovered the same things. And since I'm about to hit the 15 minute mark, I want to try and take it to a kind of a tight close. What I realize is that if there are at least four archetypal personalities, thinking, intuiting, sensing, and feeling, then there are at least four archetypal ways of anal analyzing the world. And for each of those kinds of people, other functions provide the synthetic experiences. And so we click together kind of like Lego pieces. I am a thinker by ego and I synthesize through intuition and sensation. I worked in the dirt today and that helped me get back into flow. And then my ideas started coming and I unblocked myself. So I synthesize by intuiting build it into systems of understanding, share it with people who like to hear that stuff, and they synthesize the information that I'm sharing when they hear the way I think. And that gets them to be better at intuiting their way through the world. And then their intuitions, when I get to witness their intuitions, 
it puts things together that I could never have thought of. And I take that information in and it makes me a better thinker. And so we all build together into this beautiful little network of blocks that are oriented in basically the same way carbon chains get built up in molecules through oriented bonding of P and S bonds. It's pretty rad. And it accentuates the yin and yang of experience that have to be in flow together. The yang is ego and duality and analysis, and the yin is synthesis and union and non-duality. We have to go back and forth individually and collectively to let it all flow. <laughs>